Support for this episode comes from SAS. SAS is going all in on AI to help the world get more done with data. See for yourself in Las Vegas, April 16th to 19th at SAS Innovate, the data and AI experience for everyone and every role from top executives to data scientists, engineers, analysts, and more. I'll be there leading a panel discussion about the importance of responsible AI. It's just one of the many sessions that will highlight the massive potential of AI. Visit innovate.sas.com and use the code CARA to save $100 on registration. I'll see you there. Support for Pivot comes from Klaviyo. There are plenty of AI tools out there to help your marketing strategy, but you'd be hard-pressed to find one built like Klaviyo. Klaviyo AI guides you with predictive insights so you can more accurately see what your customers want and when they want it. It uses both real-time and historical data and can make it all make sense for you. That way you can say goodbye to tedious tasks and work smarter. You can join brands including Everyman Jack, who've optimized their marketing strategy and driven more revenue with Klaviyo AI. Klaviyo powers smarter digital relationships. Visit klaviyo.com slash vox to learn more. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash vox. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. How are you doing today? How was your big dinner that you like went all sex in the city online about? With your men, um, yeah, it was good. It was um, I was with Rex Chapman, uh, mm-hmm. the former NBA uh, All Star, and a very soulful gentleman, mm. and George Han, G Han, G Man, G Money, right? Yeah, um, it was very nice. Yeah, uh, Anderson Cooper canceled. Ghosted but you. He's he's the hot girl. He gets to cancel. Why Let's does be he get honest. to? Can- what was his excuse? Some pe- baby excuse. You know, we're so close, I don't like to share those types of things. (laughs) It would be inappropriate for me (laughs) to talk about this Did you feel bad? Did you all feel bad that the hot girl didn't show up for dinner? You know, Kara, my life is a never-ending stream of people canceling on me. So (laughs) I've developed a decent amount of callous uh, tissue around people canceling plans with me. Yeah, really? Um, Do they? Yeah. I'm that not, never happens. I take it in stride. I take Do it in you? stride. Yeah, people don't dare skip a dinner with me. I'll tell you that. That does not happen. I can just tell you my text is full of responses of me that are very simple. <laughs> NP. Scott, I'm sorry. I can't make it this weekend. NP. No problem. Scott, we've decided we'd rather not work with you. <laughs> NP. I, I'm not upset. Yeah. You know what? When people write that, like, you know, you write no problem. When people do that, I'm like, that's a problem. And I tell them, right? I don't let them get off with the no problem thing. I don't like it. And I, I declare if I'm unhappy. You should try it sometime. Well, I've kind of moved to, that hurts my feelings. Oh, no. No. No? No. 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 Hostility works mm. really well. And they do not mm. skip again, let me just tell you. It, it, it oh, stops. there's hostility. I just mask it. <laughs> okay. You and should see how many. Don't. Ghost, my friend Scott, and if you tried it with me, I would. There would be problems between us. There would be a a gay problem between us if you did that to me. Kara, my closet is full of Barbie dolls that don't have their legs on them. I twist <laughs> off the legs. It's scary in there. It All is right. scary. Well, in I'm there. glad Jihan was there because that's he's probably like such a he makes up. For oh, Anderson he's the Cooper. best. Yeah, he's the he's, best. he's a really wonderful guy. Anyway, we've got a couple of pivot MIA announcements. It's going well with the with the uh, bookings. John Oranger from Shutterstock, who's one of the early investors down in Miami. This is our Miami focused uh, announcements. Mm-hmm. John Oranger, I have known him for a long time from Shutterstock, and he's been doing a lot of really interesting investing and 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 promoting of the area. I like John. Um, he's he's 
he's it'll be interesting to hear his thoughts about what's happening there and what's going on. We also have the mayor of Miami-Dade, Daniela Levine-Cava, who's very interesting, doing all kinds of stuff around climate change. There's, you know, Miami has some issues that they're going to have to deal with. She's the one with the power in Miami um, and runs that whole huge area. Um, so that'll be interesting to talk about climate change, running a city. Um, there's all sorts of different political tides going on there with her and others in that state. It's quite an interesting state from a political point of view. Um, so it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, and it's February in Miami, so it's going to be... Yeah, I'm that. It's what I'm... It's so freezing here today. I literally... Is it? I'm like, it's cold I've here, too. Had an, in, in Florida? Oh, you're no, in New no, York. No, no, I'm in I'm Oh, in New yeah, York. it's cold. I don't York. like it. I don't like it. I'm excited to go to Miami and, you know, put on my flip-flops. I'm very excited. I'm going to wear flip-flops the whole time, just so you know, on stage, including. I have very nice feet, so that'll work fine. But in any really? case, yeah, I have nice feet. I have shockingly nice feet. I will show them to you, but in a public setting. So, mm. yeah. You mean after you touch my phone? <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, I am going to ghost you uh, at dinner. I'm going to invite you to dinner and then not show up. And I'll be out with Anderson and I will send selfies. I'm totally used to it. Selfies from from the gay bar together. I'm okay. Anyway, we'll be dancing the night away. Um, So, uh, one thing shout out to Stephanie Rule, our friend of Pivot. She's apparently taking over for Brian Williams. I love Brian Williams. He's my uh, my, uh, friendly uncle who I've been watching for years on the 11th hour on MSNBC. Stephanie's moving to nighttime so she can be a lot naughtier. That's my feeling. What do you think? You're exactly right. It's perfect. Stephanie, and I can say this now, this like bullshit morning cheery stuff, like how to best use coupons cheery. at the Kroger's. I she hate that stuff. Yeah, yeah she's not she very should cheery. Be, she should be at night. She is, yeah. Stephanie's all about she's the night. She's a night owl. She is. So, she's the night. Yeah. Though some people yeah. were like online, which I was sort of pushed back against. They're like, oh, Brian was like a cup of cocoa that you needed after a tough day. Like you know, he had no, all those little salty. aphorisms, you know, yeah. just like a whatever, a cow. And he had all kinds of Western references and stuff like that with little metaphors. But I don't think so. I think Stephanie's, you know, you don't need to calm down. You need to calm up is what you need to do. And I think Stephanie will be excellent. She's very funny, I think Brian, too. I think Brian did a great job. I think yeah. Stephanie's the right host. Uh, Brian, I think, wants to be kind of the next John Stewart. All yeah. his, I just, every, I've been on with Brian just a couple of times, and he's always, like, kind of oh, folksy and folksy. He's like, He's like, Professor, you're like the moose that wouldn't be tamed. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's funny. <laughs> I he don't know what that those. means, Brian. Yeah, he has all those weird animal you know. references. In, in any case, Stephanie's very, very funny. I'm hoping her funny side really shows and her 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 very naughty and not naughty is, is it the naughty i guess it's naughty what is it What's oh it? she's salty salty no, she's, salty and, saucy and salty you should see some of the salty. texts i get from her usually yeah, I, like she just, puts them on twitter yes we've seen them oh my god <laughs> you're such a fucking idiot and why when you send them like jesus christ really <laughs> it hurts you i bet that hurts you quietly it does anyway it does. so today let's get today congratulations stephanie today we'll talk about facebook's yeah. failed cryptocurrency efforts tom brady's NFT platform. And W. Kamau Bell joins us for a conversation about his new documentary series, We Need to Talk About Cosby. Uh, first, just very quickly, Stephen Breyer's leaving the Supreme Court that sort of sucked up Stephanie's news yesterday. He's the antitrust wonk who authored the court's decision in Google versus Oracle. We don't know who his successor is yet, but names are being thrown around. Uh, none have the heavy antitrust backgrounds. But one candidate, U.S. District Judge J. Michelle Childs, ruled last year that a California privacy law should apply to a cloud software company that suffered a data breach. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's very clear it's going to be a woman. 
uh, a woman of color, um, which is which is what Joe Biden promised in, during the campaign. Uh, there's several incredible candidates. Um, I was reading all the profiles of each of them, um, and mm-hmm. it seems strong. But the, the, a lot of tech stuff is going to get up to the, the Supreme Court. This is going to be a very young Supreme Court. So for years to come, they're going to be ruling. Um, well, a lot of the focus obviously is on Roe and voting rights and things like that. There are some really significant uh, privacy and other issues that are going to move up to the Supreme Court and platforms, um, antitrust, all kinds of stuff. And so it's going to be very important um, uh, who they put on there. And and there's several, several of these judges are complete, will we'll be able to understand what's happening. Uh, any thoughts? Well, I, I think every country, every society needs a ballast. And the, and the ballast for the United States has primarily being the middle class and our mm-hmm. focus on this this incredible accident called the middle class. Mm-hmm. But also a tremendous ballast, I would argue, until recently has been the Supreme Court. They seem mm-hmm. to get along. They were thoughtful. You got the sense that their lifetime appointments gave them the courage to kind of like just the facts and mm-hmm. really be thoughtful and that they respected each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, you got the sense that all of them were willing to cross the line for the law and the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think they've lost some of that. Yeah, it there's, feels there's as definitely if partisanship. It's, it's reaching everywhere, right? Yeah, it feels as if they've now they've been infected. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and Stephen Breyer is sort of kind of reeks of that age of mm-hmm. kind of unafraid but pragmatic. I thought yeah. some of his responses to the challenge around the vaccine mandate were just like, I mean, he just asked simple questions of the lawyer pre- presenting the challenge mm-hmm. to the to the constitutionality of the vaccine mandate. Yeah. He just struck me as someone who was not only a scholar but a gentleman. the The word is he's being forced to step down, maybe a little bit early because they're just so shit scared that another Ruth Bader Ginsburg situation happens. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He's eighty three uh, years old. Yeah. But yeah. look, in a, a distinguished career. Well, look, these things are political. They pretend the Supreme Court's not political. It's always been yeah. political. I know we try to pretend yeah. with the the robes and the fancy bleached uh, building they're in, but it's always been political. And this is just he in this case, given how the Republicans have behaved, you know, around Merrick Garland, who's now the um, Attorney General. You know, you got to play tough. And you got to move this thing through just like they did Amy uh, uh, Coney Barrett. Uh, they moved that through in, I think, 36 days or something. So they've got to, you know, again, we've got Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin, although I would be shocked if they tried to impose their will here. The president should be able to pick who he wants of a qualified yeah. candidate. And if they do that, I, I, that's really enough with them. I think it's a really difficult situation for them to really impose themselves. Of course, one thing that I noticed in one of the stories is if one of the senators dies, this Democrat Democratic senator in this period, it's all screwed. Well, come on. A couple of Democratic senators have died and come back as Republicans. But yes, that's true. That's true. Anyway, Donald Trump's social networkers trying to recruit influencers without mentioning its founder's name. Probably a good idea. True Social admits any references to Trump in emails to social media stars inviting them to join the network. I think they know who it is in that case, though. Meanwhile, pro-Trump influencers on Gab and Getter are having a hard time growing their audience, according to The Washington Post. Of course, it's, as, as I said, it's very difficult to do this. Joe Rogan complained that Getter was uh, fugazi, and he also said fuckery, uh, this month, just 10 days after joining their network, too much fanfare. Um, he's, uh, it's funny. I mean, you know, these are small things. That's the problem is they're small, they're small sites and it's very hard to create and make fetch happen. Did you get an invite to Truth Social? I don't. I'm a, I'm a political enigma. People don't know how to bucket me. 
I'm, I'm, and so I get invites from no one and, and piss everybody off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. There's just no room in the middle for any, uh, for anyone in the middle. But you said this. That yeah. I don't know how much of it is. We like to immediately on the left extract it. Oh, this is somehow an indication of the changing temperature of people's yeah. view of the right. I think it's just very difficult to start yep. these networks. And if there were a bunch of networks, social networks trying to start on the left, yeah. oh, um, they would struggle worse. as well. So, worse, I think. And I think everyone's taking a well-deserved breather from politics. It feels yeah. like a lot of the uh, a lot of the media companies that were focused or kind of not gaslighting, but had really great clickbait every day with Donald Trump, mm-hmm. have seen their ratings well, and their their viewership. Sorry go to say, down. CNN is down what eighty some percent uh, or seventy seven percent. MSNBC some. Fox is less so, but still down. Um, all of them are. And I think it's interesting. We're going to have some of the social media leaders from these sites at, uh, mm-hmm. at Pivot MIA. But it's hard. I want to talk about how um, – stay. I, of course, want to discuss the politics. But I think that um, that how to build a social network, how to create these platforms is a very interesting um, problem if you don't control various parts of it. This is some – Dan Bongino was just kicked off of YouTube for breaking the rules again. Um, but – and he's he's uh, he's moving to Rumble where he's an investor. Creating your own is the only way. Is making, making your own platform, whatever, is going to be – anyway, it's interesting. It's an interesting business problem away from all the politics of it. Um, but I don't really think True Social needs to use Trump emails. And we know. have the CEO of Parler coming to Pivot yep. Miami, right? and get her. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and we're how, trying to oh, get really? Rumble. How? Trying to get Rumble, too. Do you know anything about how they're? I had, I have no, I've never been on them. Don't know anything about I them. Have. Don't know who backs they're, them. They're not bad. They're not. I don't think they're fugazi. I mean, the technology. It's, if you're used to something and then it's something else, it's the, some of the problems they've had. The same hacking problems. They've got issues around ways from you know lots of things. We'll talk about all that and more there. I mean, it's interesting. Um, we're gonna have a lot of people critical of us for having there, but it's they're 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 building these businesses and we'll talk to them about it. Uh, we will also be tough on them on lots of things. Um, the founder Parler is very handsome. I'm looking forward to meeting him. Okay, good. <laughs> Okay, great. Anyway, Pinterest executives are <laughs> heading toward the exits. At least seven senior executives left the company in recent weeks, including the head of core product and the global head of content and creators. What is happening here? Pin, uh, Pinterest CEO Ben Silverman's dual class shares are powerful. They don't have to sell. Nobody has to do anything. Yeah, I, like, I, I just hate dual class shareholder companies because the bottom line is Ben Silverman is, is a billionaire. So whether he's worth $2 billion one day or seven the other, he doesn't care. Yeah. This is his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always thought Pinterest is a lovely little company that mm-hmm. should not be an independent company. Oh, I always thought it was it should be the visual search engine for for Google or something, and again, I'm I, you know there's antitrust concerns, but I've never thought this was like Pinterest and Twitter have been ten year exercises in how you cannot compete with Facebook mm-hmm. and Google. Yep, and they they both screwed up and said, okay, let's go after an ad supported model. And if you're on Pinterest, it's lovely. And then you get all these shitty ads for flooring, and it's just Mm -hmm. weird. And Twitter, I'm Mm -hmm. still not entirely sure how they make money. I don't think I've ever seen an ad on Twitter. Twitter, ads on Twitter for me are like hookers. I'm hooker blind. Whenever we go to (laughs) a bar in Midtown with my friends, like, oh, my God, did you see all the hookers? I'm like, I didn't see the hookers. I am literally blind to hookers. I mean, like that nice, attractive young lady who took an interest in me, that was a hooker? I never know how to recognize them. And then my Mm -hmm. friend goes, if you ever look at a woman Mm -hmm. and she returns your eye contact, she's a hooker. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, that's a little rough. That is rough. I don't agree with that. I'm blind 
I'm blind to ads on Twitter. I yeah. I, I still don't. All right, back uh, to do Pinterest. you get ads on Twitter? <laughs> no, I don't know. I've never seen them. I'm hoping. How do they make money, I'm, Kara? I'm blind How the fuck there. do they make money? I, I don't know I what don't they know. do. I don't know. Anyways, Pinterest, I, it's a cute thing. I don't use. I only use it when we do boards, when we're thinking about, we're super into furniture and, and, and yeah. interior design. I use house. And I think it's sometimes. wonderful for that. Yeah. And inspiring. But it's not, it doesn't have the addictive elements. Yeah, I haven't the, gone there in a long relevance. time. I have not gone there a long time. They're, yeah, you know, unless they're you're very planning a wedding company. <laughs> or, or, yeah. or thinking about buying soapstone for mm-hmm. your kitchen counter. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I think this thing is, I don't think it's a standalone company. Yeah, it's kind of, like, its energy has been very unusual over the many years. I remember when they had some, you know, press That's events. Weird energy. It, it, they had like, they had a thing where you went to a press energy. event and they wanted you to make a terrarium. While you were there, they had terrarium elements, and you. And I was they like, wanted I'm not you to make a terrarium. A terrarium. I know. I, have I not made a terrarium since I was fourth grade? Essentially, this I literally is like was the like the worst private school <laughs> in in San Francisco. I was like, I am not making a terrarium. There are a lot of crafty. They were crafty for a while. You know, I think they they it, it, the energy. I I once had dinner with Ben, and he. He was like, what else should I do with my life? I'm like, aren't you running Pinterest? Um, what you know, else should I do with my life? Yeah, you know, I think it's, I, I, it probably should sell. It probably should sell and get some energy too, because there's a great idea within it and it's been successful in many ways. But the energy level, and of course they had those issues around uh, race issues and, and gender issues. They lost a lot of money to a very high ranking executive um, in a case uh, around sort of freezing her out. And even though it doesn't seem dude-like, it's got a lot of dude energy. It's a different dude, but it's still the same problem. So, um, so anyway, we'll see. It does, nothing has to happen, but it seems like a right. I have some stories there. I know someone there. I, I was I served on a board with yeah. uh, Todd Morgenthau, the CFO and COO, oh, yeah. who is mm-hmm. a just reeks of integrity, and mm-hmm. I, I just think the world of him. He was a tank commander. Mm. Um, you know, served his country. Just I don't know, just a very impressive man. And also, and I'm still not over this. Mm-hmm. I'm still not. Did over he this. ghost you too for lunch? Sorry. No, he's he shows up. Okay, he shows right. up. Right. He shows up. Okay, sure. Unlike Pretty Boy Anchors, <laughs> <laughs> I bet Stephanie Rule's not going to show up for us anymore. Oh no, Stephanie loves us. Stephanie loves us. Plus, she's strategic. We're her insurance in case one of us, IEU, gets really big. Um, <laughs> but I was. This is true story. In 2011, yes, right as I was starting L2, yeah. I did an event at the Morgan Library and I invited a bunch of new companies to present. I had mm-hmm. this kind of like, you know, stage the pitch. Sure. And this kid showed up named Ben Silberman. Mm-hmm. And they said, Scott, would you ever consider being an angel investor? You know, the valuation is like like $12 million. And I'm like, $12 million? That's ridiculous. Da, da, da. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and I didn't do it. And if I'd fucking done that, my terrarium right now would be a yeah. Gulf Stream. Yeah, I'd be making terrariums to... on my G650 yeah. as I but, flew to. But let me just say, no. I think some of the reasons people, even the stock is really down. And at some point you're like, I don't like it here and I'm not making money and goodbye. That's what happens in Silicon Valley all the time. In mm. any case, we'll see. We'll see mm. what happens. We will see what happens. Mm. Okay, let's get to our big story, our first big story. Facebook's uh, cryptocurrency efforts may be over before they begin. Speaking of leaving, uh, the group behind Yem, Facebook's proposed cryptocurrency, is exploring a sale of its assets. Yem was previously known as Libra. Um, the U.S. Federal Reserve allegedly sank the project by denying its approval. Yem's chances looked slim late last year when the project lead, David Marcus, left Facebook to do his own coin stuff. You know, this has been uh, fugazied from, for, for a long time, I think, in a lot of ways. It was one of these things where Facebook said, we got to be here, just like they've done with newsletters. 
newsletters or whatever, you know, trying to compete with Substack, whatever they do. Uh, sometimes it sticks, but most times it doesn't. So what thinks you? It is also important for Facebook to have a well, currency. Well, let's take a victory lap here. Who two years ago, when this mm -hmm. thing was announced, said that it gave uh, it gave him just incredible joy knowing all these people heading down the 280 to work on DM were wasting their lives. Mm, you did. We, you did. We, have, we said yeah, very we early did. this wasn't going to work. And also yeah. this is a victory. This is a victory for humanity because if you go to, and I'm going to get very serious very fast, if you go to any museum that talks about real dark moments in our history, it's always kind of a three-step process. Somebody weaponizes the media. Then they can get control of the economy, which leads to control of the military. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You and, okay, so how's Facebook done with their control of the media? So the idea that they were going to start to have influence over the economy, I saw as a tremendous threat. The great news is, mm -hmm. and this is extending to what I think is the most, will absolutely be probably one of the biggest product failures in history, Oculus, is that this company isn't very good at homegrown uh, product mm -hmm. innovation. It's fantastic at copying other people's shit. I mean, well, they thank God the people, mm -hmm. the people who've been charged with copying every attribute of Snap haven't been trying to copy every attribute of AirPods. I would just have the Snap plagiarists. Mm -hmm. I would set them free on the AirPods and say Facebook needs a, I'm not a better Facebook hardware device. They can't. It's like Microsoft making things. They can't. They just can't. can't they do don't, they yeah. can't do it. Good. it. We're all blessed with that. One, we're one all of, blessed with their inability. You know, this crypto thing is interesting. That. Of course, they were smart to be. In this case, I would think this would be an important thing for them in terms of commerce on the site, etc. But it's interesting that Amazon has not done, has not moved into this in a significant way. Um, probably where it has a skunk works on it, this and that. But still, you know, I think they had a lot of headwinds from um, like Democrats asked them to uh, shut down its Novi digital wallet. Um, even though all this money's going into it, including from VCs, 30 billion into crypto and blockchain startups since 2021. Um, that's a lot. But it just seems like this was not something people were pulling for. And then they had to get cooperation. They were trying to uh, do it in a way that got cooperation from around the globe. And it just was a yeah, stable point. It was the right statement. strategy. Yeah. But just just to uh, uh, go back for a second to, to, mm -hmm. to Pinterest, the stock's off from 90 bucks. It's a 28. And here's the year-on-year the, the -year uh, growth by quarter, the last four quarters. Mm -hmm. um, they were up 59% in the December 20th quarter of, I think, 2020. Then the March quarter of 2021, down 31%. June 20, uh, up 26%. And the latest quarter they reported, September, up 3%. And it's interesting, the market, the market is um, like a relationship, and that is it wants consistency. Mm -hmm. And it would much rather you be growing at eight or 12% a year or a quarter, yeah. but consistently. Yeah, when you going? start going kind of up 59, down 31, up 26, then three flat, the market goes, we don't know what to make of you. Right. We don't know who we're waking up with in the morning. All right. We, and it we, hates We went that. back down Pinterest alley, but we're in Facebook uh, uh, area. Let me just say, Jack Dorsey gloated on Twitter, posting an article about DM's failure with Carpe Diem. <laughs> Don't you love the new, I, love I call the him new the, Jack new, the Jack of fewer trades? So I love nice. Jack now. He was so nice. He's so, so naughty. He's, he's good. Who's, who would devilish. have thought that I, the founder of Twitter would be so good at Twitter? Yeah, he's right. really, he is good. really good. Anyway, in any case, this is this is an area that 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 you know they're trying to sell NFTs, buy, create, and sell NFTs. They're moving into that area. Of course, they had moved into dating, that and that didn't 
really work. Are I we think. talking about Twitter or Facebook? Facebook. I'm just saying no. they, they, this, this is an important area for them to move into, I think. And I think it's they, they bit off more than they could chew. And they, did, they entered it in a way that is like, like they're entering the metaverse thing. Like, we're the metaverse instead of moving slowly. I think that was one of the issues. Um, speaking of fintech acquisitions, this is an interesting one. I doubt mm-hmm. Facebook could buy it. Robinhood and other fintech startups could be up for sale. The tech stock slump continues. Robinhood stock is down nearly 80% from its peak. Uh, it still has 22 million users. Could be attractive. Any deal has to get past the founders who control about 65% of the companies. So um, interesting. This fintech area, which was sort of hot, 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 has a lot of little growing pains all over the place. Yeah, it's and, and and this is another one, you know, couldn't happen to a nicer group of people. Um, the average revenue for, for per user has gone from $137 to $65. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, Burns itself it's worth, out. It's, it's kind of, it feels like it, like, you know, the faster, whatever, the faster the ride up, the faster the ride down. Um, there, the average account, I mean, we said 32, there's 32 million accounts at Schwab mm-hmm. and Robinhood has 22 million, but there's mm-hmm. a big difference. Yeah. And are they the, are they stickers? Do they st- people at Schwab just stay there? I think I've had my fidelity. Not only account churn, for, right. but account side. The, the average right. account balance at at Charles Schwab is two hundred and forty thousand dollars. You know what the average account balance is at Robinhood? Twenty four hundred. Thirty five hundred. That was a yeah. great guess. Thank you. And so, but at the same time, they're younger and represent the future, and a lot of mm-hmm. money will come to them. So, it it probably is a pretty decent. Um, acquisition candidate because it does bring 22 million users. It's a nice brand, um, and its market cap is down from 60 billion to so 13 who? billion. Who, who, who? Amazon? No, no, they don't want to get into. Uh, that. I think it would be one of the bigger guys. I mean, mm-hmm. for example, I think mm-hmm. Goldman should be in the business of. Oh, I think Goldman, Goldman should have a global. If if a 27 year old the CEO of Goldman at Pivot MIA this question. Well, there you go. There's yeah. an idea. Yeah, but if there was something called GS Plus, I yeah. think a twenty-seven-year-old in Hong Kong, or Delhi, or or Cape Town would like to trade on it or like to invest. They would in still it. call think, it Robinhood. Why not? Um, I think they, no, I think I think Robinhood needs. Well, I, I'm biased because I think. Yeah, I, we agree. You know, We've went through this with them, but nonetheless, you know, look at look at what's happening. You can clean things up. You know, even slightly tainted. Well, it's again, it's that it's that cold, comfortable, heavy blanket of boredom mm-hmm. for companies that are controversial. The problem mm-hmm. here is their business model is order flow, and I don't know how. Yeah, I mean, other Charles Schwab, for example, they also, to be fair, sell their order flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company I'm invested in, public, carved out a niche because they don't sell order they don't. flow. Right? How are they doing? Um, are they probably oh on the market, gosh, too? Oh, my they're on fire. They launched crypto a couple months ago, and their ascent has been as vicious as Robinhood's decline over the last six oh, months. but Bitcoin's so, way down. I don't think people will still be in it. Bitcoin's way down by half since November, Yeah, which is interesting. All those people took their salary in uh, Bitcoin. Way to go, Eric Adams. But Oops. let's just walk through the math. They took, yeah. they said, I want my $750,000 signing bonus. I think there was a, maybe you know, yeah. a wide receiver or cornerback. It was Odell Williams. It took seven seven hundred fifty grand signing bonus in Bitcoin, which triggers a taxable event of around forty mm. percent. So they and then it got cut in half. So congratulations, you got about seventy five grand. I know, I know, I know. Anyway, uh, and all these I, mayors who are saying they wanted yeah, their yeah, payment in Bitcoin. We can ask if we if Suarez comes down, we'll ask him. It's and like Eric you're a true Adams. public servant now. Yeah, um, yeah. You're working for Oops. free. Oops. Anyway, all right, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about Tom Brady's NFT trading cards, and then we'll speak to friend of Pivot, W. Kamau Bell, about his new documentary, We Need to Talk About Cosby. 
Support for Pivot comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software, including Jira, Confluence, and Trello, help power the collaboration for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR, and legal, can stay connected and moving together as one towards shared, company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for Pivot comes from Klaviyo. When you're marketing your business, there's a ton of data to keep track of, and you need the right tool to help you make sense of it all. For that, you might want Klaviyo in your arsenal. Klaviyo helps brands get smarter with their marketing. Their AI is built differently than anyone else. It combines a ton of real-time and historical customer data points for you in full detail and makes sense of it all for you. It guides you with predictive analytics, so when you use Klaviyo AI, you get smarter insights without all the heavy lifting. You can more accurately see what your customers want and when they want it. You can work smarter and be more confident in your decision-making. You can join brands who've optimized their marketing strategy with Klaviyo AI, including, for example, men's personal care brand, Everyman Jack. They've used Klaviyo's AI-powered predictive analytics to generate personalized predictions about each of their subscribers. That, in turn, helped them deliver top-notch customer experiences and drive more revenue. Klaviyo powers smarter digital relationships. Visit klaviyo.com slash vox to learn more. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash vox. Scott, we're back with something different. This is Elevator Pitch. Today, as promised, we're going to talk about Autograph, the NFT platform where Tom Brady is the co-founder. You can cue you to say he's handsome in just a second. Autograph raised uh, $170 million in Series B funding, co-led by Andreessen Horowitz and Kleiner Perkins. Nicole Quinn of Lightspeed Ventures is also an investor. Uh, On Autograph, users can buy and sell NFTs from athletes and entertainers, including Tiger Woods, Derek Jeter, Tony Hawk, The Weeknd, Simone Biles. The Weeknd's an investor, apparently. So this is interesting. You know, this is sort of the celebrity of NFTs, which celebrities probably all looked up one morning and were like, well, I got to do something here. Um, I know Reese Witherspoon tweeted about it, for example, and different, not this particular thing. Um, they're competing with OpenSea, which is valued at more than $13 billion. Um, so talk about celebrity and crypto in this area. Um, well, first off, let's acknowledge just how, what, just what an incredible athlete Tom Brady is. You know, uh, do you know why both he and Robert Kraft go to Florida? No, don't start. What? For a happy ending for oh, both of them. Oh, my God. Oh. Super, six Super Bowl rings. All right. <laughs> that was bad. That Even was I, like, checked back. That was Robert Kraft. Speaking of, he was not prostitute that. blind, I guess. Anyways, like, uh, this totally, do you remember MVP? Oh, yeah. It was, yes. At, when they have, they, 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 these pop up and I ignore them, all of them. 
unilaterally. Well, there are some amazing athletes who go on to do amazing businesses. Mm-hmm. Roger Staubach. There, there are do. some incredibly talented athletes who go on mm-hmm. to be great business people. Agreed. But, f- but for the most part, they want to leverage their awareness. And mm-hmm. it doesn't translate into necessarily into business acumen. But do you remember MVP? It was Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, and John Elway. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, how could that thing fail? And it's like, well, because... It wasn't a great business idea, and just having these. What, what did they? What did they do? Don't you remember they were going to sell merchandise online? Yeah, I think that's what I remember. I don't even remember. That's the thing. I mean, I yeah, thought they were it going was... to sell sports memorabilia yeah. online, and it right, got some that... crazy valuation. Yeah. So what? Uh, what think you of this? This has Katie Hahn in it, who has a new fund. She was at Andreessen Horowitz. She's also in OpenSea, I think. Um, so what do we think about this? This is a huge board. Apple's Eddie Q's on the board. Uh, FTX's Sam Bankman-Fried, artist. Uh, the weekend is on it. Uh, I will absolutely take the over/under on this. I think okay. these these companies, these VCs who decide they're going to try and pretend that there's some sort of economics in their star fucking. Mm-hmm. Um, let's like, oh, let's get this famous person. Let's get this famous person. I don't think that uh, it, when you're licensing, when you're creating uh, an apparel license, and you can get one of the Kardashians, that makes sense. But just rounding a group of, like, very famous people up, it doesn't have a good track record. There's been a bunch of companies like this that just get a bunch of famous people in a room together. And I don't see what these people have to do with NFTs, really. Well, it's interesting. Let me read this from TechCrunch. Go ahead. Crypto has generally been a tough place for discerning celebrities to make a dent or earn a buck without losing some of their cultural capital. Matt Damon received a fair share of ridicule this month for appearing in a corny crypto ad campaign. Earlier this week, Kim Kardashian and Floyd Mayweather were named in a lawsuit brought by disgruntled investors who backed a token that the two had endorsed. And then Jimmy Fallon and Paris Hilton promoted their board and board ape NFTs on Fallon's show. The moment was called tacky, sad, and possibly a conflict of interest by the press. So there is a place, you know, this should be done by the agency. This is an agency. Um, And it, and it is, it is linking with a very important company, Dapper Labs, um, in who's, who's, who has signed a bunch of sports deals and things like that. So there has to be a place where they can try this out without starting their own company, without doing it on their own, without not understanding what to trust. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think why I, they're creating it. My understanding is they're creating a competitor to open seas yeah, and they're trying sea. to go vertical mm-hmm. with the artists or the creators themselves with famous yeah. people who you would mm-hmm. think would be fonts for NFTs. But I would think at the end of the day, these individuals, if they have NFTs worth anything, are going to just want to go to the... It's like, it reminds me a little bit of when uh, artists started their own labels or started their yeah. own streaming yeah, services. Maybe so. And they didn't have the business acumen or the capital to carve out. Uh, I, quite frankly, I just think OpenSea is going to eat their lunch. OpenSea. OpenSea. Open OpenSea. Yeah, open OpenSea. Open well, it's open. Maybe there's more than one. Okay. Stop mocking me. <laughs> well, in any case, it's an interesting. I think there. I think the agencies should be doing this. I keep thinking, why isn't like, shouldn't be Ari Emanuel be sort of skulking William around Morris this Endeavor, space? Yeah. WME. Just it seems yeah. like another f- thing they should help with. Like I think I would like my agents to do that. I think WME should should focus on finally getting a movie deal for that underrated yet highly interesting professor they took on several years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're an agent. But all right, UTA, which is I have my made them no money, Kara. I go, I, when I, I go do to rather Hollywood. well for my agents, I have to say. They well, like Well, of me. course you do. Well, what a shocker. What a shocker. <laughs> I literally go I to would. LA and I go to my agent. He's like this do? wonderful man, David yeah. Warshafter, and yeah. I apologize. And I'm like, I'm oh. sorry I haven't made you any money. It's like, it's uh, okay, Scott. It's okay, it's Scott. A, don't worry. Yeah. It'll happen, little guy. It'll yeah, happen. they'll never know. That's why they don't know with you. You're one of these people that are like, 
something could happen with this guy. Could we never be. know. Who knows? It's only just out of reach. Down the I just sang from West Side Story. I keep my enemies closer. Yes. Um, celebrities are going to be in this area. The question is, do celebrities need to run it? You know, Matt Damon, speaking of which, remember he did that thing with Ben Affleck? They had a whole bunch of internet things. I think I had a meeting well, with Well, Ashton Kutcher, but he was an He's angel, successful. Right? He's is he successful? Made, oh, yeah. Oh, he invested in Uber, right? Coinbase, Uber. He's, he's in... Let's not laugh at it. He's laughing Bro. all the way to the bank, Ashton Kutcher. I mean, done right you could say he's successful just like, do you see he's married to? Jesus Christ, they're good looking. Yeah, they're, Those not, two they're are, very That's nice like Tom Brady, Giselle hot. Yeah. You know, one time I was in L.A. Last time I was in L.A., I think it was, I was eating at um, that deli in Beverly Hills. I'm blanking. Nate Niles. And Nate this table full of people with lots of kids were next. I was having a meeting. And um, and my person I was with. When you say kids, are like 45, right? No, no, little kids, like lot, screaming oh, little, little kids, kids essentially. Yeah. And I wasn't hearing them because I have screaming little kids. And so I, and the person with me was like, oh, they're really noisy. And I turn and the person sitting right next to Ashton Kutcher. It was, he, and I know him from all the tech stuff, but it was funny. He was, he was with his kids, with screaming kids and his wife, and it was lovely. Nonetheless, that's a separate story. This is going, there's going to be a place where celebrities are going to have to deal with this. And very few can do this on their own and they don't know what to trust. And so, I'm a little more positive about this than you are. Thank you. And and something, have they asked you to be on it? Have they asked you? No. You could do a lot of NFTs. I know. I don't, I don't have the time. That's the thing. I'm like, oh, where should I go? Like, I don't know who's what and who's where and who's lying and, you know, misled. I don't know. You know, it's one of these, it's a shakeout period. So I don't mind this. I don't mind it. It makes sense to, for someone to do it. I think it'll probably get purchased. But, you know, I and the other celebrities a, don't trust. Sorry. That's why they've got Jeter, Woods, Tony Hawk, Simone Biles. They're, they're like, what? I, I know it's worth something. I'm lo-, And they're always in the FOMA position. Like, what am I losing out on on my brand, my personal brand? So, anyway. I used to work at a deli, Cantor's in West Los Angeles, <laughs> and I quit slicing cold turkey. I quit slicing cold turkey. <laughs> Get it? You didn't. Did Get you work it? at Cantor's? Oh, no. I went to Cantor's a lot, but I was usually very fucked up after a yeah. night of partying at El Coyote. Yeah, okay. Uh, I used to live very close to Canners. Yeah, very hip area now. A lot of sneaker yeah. stores, et cetera, and things like that, and lots yeah. of hip music and things like Super that. Cool. In any case, I am sort of interested. I am wary but interested as celebrities struggle with this mm-hmm. stuff, and a lot of the stuff that's going to be valuable is going to be celebrity stuff. It just is. It's not. You know what? I actually don't think it's the celebrities that are going to boom here in NFTs. I think it's going to be... Um, uh, media companies like an, a Miramax that has all this iconic imagery and I also think yep. sports teams are yeah. going to figure out uh, the technology and the cat. I think, like the, uh, quite frankly, I think the NFL and UEFA and FIFA and the Premier League are going to yeah. make a ton of money. Yep. I don't know we'll if see. the individuals are going to figure this out. All right. Well, we'll see. Good luck, Tom Brady. You've had such a hard life. Let's bring in our friend of Pivot. W. Kamau Bell is a comic, podcaster, and host of CNN's United Shades of America, which I really like. He's very, we were just talking about Stephanie Rule is salty. He's sort of salty and saucy at the same time. I really enjoy it. It's very funny. Um, his latest documentary series is called We Need to Talk About Cosby, and it delves into the legacy of Bill Cosby and his alleged sexual assaults. Welcome, Kamau. Uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. So, as a reminder, Cosby was convicted of felony assault in 2018. His conviction was overturned last year. Cosby still faces two lawsuits alleging sexual assault. Um, so, so we need. Why do we need to talk about Cosby right now and and others? What, why did you pick this? 
you know, I don't think I picked it. I think I was always thinking about it. You know, this mm-hmm. is, I was, as I say in the series, I was born in the seventies. I'm a black man who eventually became a stand up comedian in large part because of being inspired by Bill Cosby himself. That's mm-hmm. comedy special. And, you know, and I also tried to live my career in a way that I learned from Bill Cosby, be good on stage and do good in the world. And so, mm-hmm. you know, as I said, I'm a, in the series, I am, you know, I'm a quote unquote child of Bill Cosby, as a lot mm-hmm. of us are of all races who were born into Cosby's America. And, you know, when we started the production on this, Cosby was in prison. So it felt like now that he's gone and he will either spend the rest of his life there or he will come Mm -hmm. out as a very, very old man. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's now time to have this very difficult talk about Bill Cosby. But as we Mm -hmm. say in the series and as we all know, he got out of prison, which made the conversation more charged and more heated, but maybe more necessary, if not more dangerous. All right. Talk about why it's difficult to have that conversation. Is it because of the the juxtaposition to, to, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Huxtable and how he was portrayed and everyone's like, oh, no, not that. Or what? what, what's the and then there's all kinds of issues around it. Talk a little bit about the challenges. Yeah, there's so many pieces to this. But like if you think about the Me Too movement and the and mm-hmm. the powerful men who who fell well, and I believe mostly white men who fell during the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. n- None of them was anybody's hero. You might have liked their work. You might have liked their mm-hmm. careers, but that you might have respected them for some reason, but they weren't your hero. And they especially weren't your hero, your childhood heroes. So, right. and then you combine that with what Cosby was. A lot of people's childhood heroes like mine. Then you combine that with, uh, the fact that Cosby's black and that, which means for black people, we are at a deficit of role models in the public sphere. We don't, we don't get equal access to that, even though we put, put a lot of money into entertainment. And mm-hmm. so it feels like that we can't afford to lose him. It feels like, and also he had an over 50 year career where for the majority of it, he, we thought like he was a good person and he was doing mm-hmm. good in the world. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about people who are my mom, who are the same age as him, who feel like they've known him, you know, since they were adults. And you talk about people like me who were just born into a world of Cosby is a good person you should like and support. Mm-hmm. And then younger kids who maybe just caught the stuff on, Younger people caught the stuff on reruns, but there's just a lot of generations of people who came up under Bill Cosby and thought that he was the example of black excellence we shall be aimed for. Yeah, I do. You just trigger some memories. Uh, when I was in college going to pick up my girlfriend at the sorority, and there were 80 young women all huddled watching something intently, and they were watching The Cosby Show. Mm. And my girlfriend Melanie said, yeah, every Thursday night, it's like a religion. So my question is, do you think his celebrity ended up protecting him much longer than it should have? Or did it end up being um, uh, hurting him in terms of just prosecutorial aggression? Like, what role did fame play in all this for him in the case? Well, I think as it did for many of the, again, we go back to the men of the Me Too movement, the celebrity protects you until it doesn't, until the Mm -hmm. society shifts. I think a lot of this is about... You know, when Cosby came into show business, we weren't that we were still basically remnants of the studio era where if Hollywood thought you were going to be a star, they changed your name. They changed your hair color. They they lied about your age. They they put you in new clothes. They said, this is the person you're dating. And if you're gay, we don't care. You're dating a woman. And Mm -hmm. so there was a whole sort of like crafted image that Cosby was still in that sort of era of Hollywood. And as we've gotten more connected and more social media and more Internet, those things fall away. So I think that your fame is is protecting you less than it used to. But it's still your power and privilege can protect you. So I think the fame certainly insulated a lot of these men, including Cosby, from the consequences of their action, because the structures at place specifically in Hollywood, if you're making money for the industry, then they're going to look the other way about a lot of things that, that you shouldn't be doing. And they don't have to be illegal or they don't have to be criminal, but they just think they're, you're going to get more access to whatever you want. So there's that. And then I also have to say the fact is like, the fact is, is that 
I do believe that in a country that is so prevalent with racism from the very bottom to the top, that there are certainly white people who are, ex who are excited for Cosby's downfall because he's a black mm -hmm. man falling. So I, these things can all exist. And I think for a lot of people, it's hard to, to understand that, yes, all of this is true. Powerful men get protected. Cosby was a powerful man, but as he's being dragged down, racism and, and white supremacy is a part of what the thing is, what is dragging him down. But it doesn't mean he didn't, as I believe, uh, rape and assault over 60 women. So when, when that happens, that was an interesting part of the discussion. I remember, I think he may have brought it up at, at one point, but there was certainly discussion about that. When you look at that idea of a fall from grace, he did have protectors for a long time. Um, and where you were on the Cosby spectrum, some people who were his supporters who said something got very pilloried online. At the same time, you know, those who went after him really went after him. So can you talk a little bit about how it played out on social media and also in the public sphere of what he represented as an icon? Well, you know, the the social media is not often a place good for nuance. No. So I no. think that like hmm. whatever side you're, you, you sort of slightly feel on, you have to dig into your side if you're going to get out there in those social media streets and argue. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's true also of the media. Oftentimes when you go on these shows, you have to really pick mm -hmm. your side and dig in. My whole career has been about trying to bring nuance to conversations. So this whole series is about trying to bring nuance to this and go, some people want to act like Cosby never did anything good for anybody, which is just simply not true. There are many yep. black people in Hollywood and especially behind the scenes who can, who can point to the starts of their career from Cosby hiring them. As we talk you about talked about series. advocacy for black stunt performers, exactly. for example. And that was a story that I didn't know, and most people seem to not know when I tell it to them, that he, mm -hmm. he is credited as being the most important and key figure in integrating stunt performers and getting black stunt performers to be hired to do stunts for black people as opposed to mm -hmm. white men being painted black. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, it's so, and I go, and if we don't talk about that stuff, we're losing history. And I think that's mm -hmm. important at a time, especially when we have school boards around the country debating if we should even teach accurate history. And mm -hmm. so for me, it's like, but if you're going to talk about that history, you have to talk about the other things that, I, that, that all the allegations too. you can't separate these things out. And he also he also funded black filmmakers like Melvin. Yeah, Van he, Peoples. he contributed to uh, apparently to Malcolm X, Sweet mm -hmm. uh, Melvin Van Peoples first film, Sweet Sweetback. So there. Yeah, it's not about. We want things to be either or we will. And I feel like it's like, uh, as I learned in improv, often it's yes and. Yes. And so it's really interesting because I'd be curious if the, the, the relationship to Hollywood's black community, you sort of have a, you know, Sidney Poitier just died and obviously another icon, uh, almost untarnished, I mean, completely untarnished, yeah. I think, sort of one of these wonderful, another life-changing actor for me, yes. at least. Um and how does that, what is his relationship with the black community now? It probably non-existent, correct? Or not? Cosby's I don't know. relationship? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends who you are in the black community. You know, I mm -hmm. think that for some people who have never met Bill Cosby, they still feel very close to him and they still see him mm -hmm. as their dad or their, mm -hmm. or maybe their grandpa now. And they still, mm -hmm. and I've heard from people online who say, I worked with him and he was good to me. So this stuff is all bizarre. And so I think mm -hmm. that like, and there's people who I feel like who did work with him and go, I didn't see anything, but I believe these people. And so mm -hmm. I have a hard time knowing where, how to talk about this publicly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think that there, there, it depends on the person. And for me, it's all about, you know, evolving through this. Like I didn't want to believe any of this stuff. I wish I didn't believe it because it, mm -hmm. it would, it would be easier to keep him in the space that I had him in before I learned about all these things. But. If we don't deal with it, this is the thing that the film really is pointing towards. It's an opportunity to learn for Cosby to teach us something else. Mm -hmm. How do we create? Cause it's not about one man. 
It's not about any, it, it's not about Harvey Weinstein. It's not about Bill Cosby. It's not about any one individual man. It's about how do we create a situation in the industry and in America, but specifically in Hollywood right now, so that if you are the lowest person on the call sheet, if you're the person whose job is just to watch the coffee, mm -hmm. if you see the number one person on the call sheet doing something that you think is a problem, that you feel empowered to go somewhere and have somebody investigate that and that you won't be fired or suffer consequences, that the people who run the project you're on will prioritize a safe, nurturing work environment over profit and that I don't, you know, you know, any, and it doesn't have to be criminal activity. It could be just the fact we see all these stories about someone like Joss Whedon, where it's like, he mm -hmm. just does not work well with others. It seems like, and so, mm -hmm. but seems like, can, can the PA on the, on the, on one of those superhero movies go, Joss Whedon is being a jerk without being fired. I'm sure, mm -hmm. I'm sure not. At that Although I, I'd argue, you know, you have shitty men, the shitty men list. There was just the West Elm guy all over TikTok. He's just a bad date. Like, and it's sort of, it comes a little mobby at some point. There is an ability for people to complain. And more Joss Whedon is a perfect example that started online. It, it's, it did start online, right? Yeah. But, yes, with, but it didn't happen. In, it didn't enough. It doesn't happen. Not in, in real moment. time. It doesn't right, happen in, in real time. I think that like all these, these are the, the, all these lists, like you're saying, are response to the fact that it's not happening in real time. It's not mm -hmm. happening as these things are going down so that you can sort of somebody can go to that person and forget anybody in particular and go to that person and go, somebody saw you doing this. Can you explain? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you have instantly throw them away. Maybe they go, oops, I, I didn't. I will never do that again. I'm not. And again, I'm not talking about any particular person, but I'm saying that like. If people get checked more often, you're going to get less toxic behavior or you're going to get people go, I shouldn't be in this business because I'm constantly getting checked. Or you're going to have the business go, you aren't learning anything. You have to get out of here. And the problem is, is that we don't we still don't live in a society overall, but specifically in Hollywood where that's the case. I, not There are sets that are run that way. I mean, certainly mm -hmm. with like all the shows I'm on, it's like we it's very clear and it's very all about, all about your feelings. And let's talk this mm -hmm. through and, and and checking in with people and making sure that we're not putting people in uncomfortable positions. So. But it's not it's not an industry wide phenomenon. Uh, so come out. I think it would be impossible to approach a story like this and not have a certain set of preconceived notions about Cosby or the situation. As you learn more about it, what what surprised you, or what flew in the face of what you were expecting to learn? And also, what do you think we don't understand, or would surprise us about what went down? So I think uh, what would surprise everybody is the thing I think that surprised me. I think even if you believe these uh, the survivors. You can sort of put it in a box that is not a great box to put it in, but you can sort of go over 60 women. Cosby's a big celebrity. You know, even if I believe them, I'm just going to file it under 60 one night stands that went wrong, mm -hmm. which is bad and it's criminal. But you're sort of putting them in sort of a, a box of like these of a groupie box, which is not mm -hmm. a word I use generally. I'm using it for this example. But when you look into the stories, you find out that a lot of these like, you know, there's women who were just in stores hanging out with their family. There's women who just shook his hand after a show to say good job and how it seems like he works just as hard at his career that he clearly worked hard at as he did at sort of bringing these women in, sometimes even grooming them, flying them around the country, really, you know, sort of introducing them as his daughter in certain situations. He seems like he worked as hard, just as hard at that as he did at his career. That's something that surprised hmm. me. I think will surprise a lot of people when you hear the stories. And I also hope people look into these stories deeper, actually, because there's a lot more than we couldn't include just for time. Right, and, right. Yeah. And then the other thing I think surprised me is that, you know, when we did our first interview with Victoria Valentino, who's a survivor from the late 60s, uh, we... 
I was sort of, we were all sort of nervous that this person would come in and be on edge or be capable of being triggered very easily because they were going to come in and tell their story. And after I learned from her and all the other survivors I talked to, and I can't say this is true of all survivors, but the women I talked to aren't owned by what happened to them, aren't owned by this story. There, there are more painful things in their life than this. They have processed this. What they want to do is achieve justice for future survivors and make sure that it doesn't happen again, which is why they become the story of their activism was very surprising to me. How they, how Lisa Lot Lublin and her husband Ben have worked to, to help survivors get statute of limitations laws struck down or expanded mm-hmm. around, uh, rape around the country. So that they're, it's, you know, they're not, they're not always a bundle of tears the way you might see them on the news when they're giving those victim impact statements at press mm-hmm. conferences. They just, they're mostly they're angry and committed to changing things. What's the state of play now? Like, where is he? Is there a good chance he's going to end up back in prison? I someone told me he was thinking about trying to revive a comedy tour. Does the do prosecutors say, you know what? Let's let biology take care of this. He's going to be dead soon. What's the state of play? I mean, currently, because of the statute of limitation laws that were on most of these women's on these women's cases, I don't know that there's any who still that their cases are still in the statute of limitations within the statute mm-hmm. of limitations. So I don't think that there's any other. Unless there's other survivors who come forward with it who right. are in a statute Recently. of limitations. I don't know if there's anything that can happen. And he can't be tried for what happened with him and Andrea Constant again, from what I understand. Uh, the state of play is I don't believe that any major promoter would send him out on a comedy tour for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that there are venues around the country that would be happy to host him. Yeah, independent he could self-fund. He's quite what, wealthy. What do you say? Presumably he's quite wealthy. He could self-fund, correct? Yes. Yeah. I mean, he could, there's any number of ways he could do it. But I think you still have to find a venue that wants to take your money. Uh, mm-hmm. But yes, I believe there are venues around the country that would host him because, as we know, this is a divisive issue because there are a lot of people who support him. But he's also 84. 85 years old i think yeah. is you know so yeah. it's i just who how many 85 year olds go out on tour and also I, I know that he they talked about not going on tour for a little while because of the two uh civics because of the two cases that are against him and how that would complicate those cases the two law these are civil lawsuits and that we'll never know that's sort of what happened to ojik in a weird way so um last question what are you working on now you have your show and your other show what what do you want to talk about next ironically i'm still doing my day job united shades of america i'm, f- I'm filming an episode this week that sh- those shows will be out in the spring so it's like what are you uh, focused on right now on that you know, I mean, we thought we would do one season that was sort of about the pandemic. And now we're in our second season that is still in large part about the pandemic and, and mm-hmm. the response and, and what and what and it's really not just the pandemic, but 2020 overall. So right now we're about to tape an episode about sort of how how Asian Americans and media got many got politicized through Trump mm-hmm. in 2020. And it's mm-hmm. an episode, we're doing an episode about how many Asian Americans who maybe didn't feel like they would didn't find ways to speak out publicly about issues of racism against their community or other communities have really found their voices since Trump and and all the, and all his racism specifically aimed at uh, Asian people in 2020. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're all better for him. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We're stronger, at least. Anyway, we need to talk about Cosby premieres on Showtime this Sunday at 10 p.m. Thank you, Kamau. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Kamau. Thank you. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Support for the show comes from Fiverr, the world's largest marketplace for freelance services. In the fast-paced world of business, every decision counts. And when it comes to hiring, there's no room for guesswork. That's why Fiverr has developed solutions for business to make outsourcing projects simple, quick, and compliant. 
You can gain access to curated talent through Fiverr Pro's catalog of top freelancers organized by skills and experience. Plus, you can streamline your projects with a user-friendly dashboard where you can track progress and collaborate with your team. Fiverr Pro is perfect for businesses that want to work with top talent for immediate or long-term needs. And for anyone needing the highest level of white glove service, Fiverr Pro's project partners can manage multiple freelancer engagements for you. Project partners will outline requirements, assemble a roster of freelancers, and manage a schedule to ensure your deliverables are completed on time, allowing you to flex your budget without any headcount constraints. Ready to scale smarter? Visit pro.fiverr.com to sign up and use code PIVOT for 15% off any service. That's pro.fiverr.com and use code PIVOT. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. Okay, Scott, prediction. Give me a prediction. Prediction. Uh, so beginning of Q2, we're going to start to, I would say around the April or May uh, time frame, we're going to start to get data mm-hmm. uh, because Facebook's trying not to break out data around Oculus, but we're going to get data that this thing is a giant flaming bag of shit oh, uh, in the form of a headset. I think it's okay. already happening. I look at their ads. I'd love to see what the cost of customer acquisition is. For People every like it. Sell. People like it. They have it. Can you say more? I think there's a, I think, the, well, my prediction is the following. I think Facebook will do this kind of Two movement thing. They're going to realize that it, it's not selling well, and they're going to come up with all sorts of B two B or other commercial applications. Yeah, like magically, that they we're going to be talking to magically uh, CEO um, yeah. at uh, Pivot MIA. But um, but you uh, say people like it. Go ahead. People I, ha- who I haven't use met it. anyone that likes it. I have everybody who uses it like Supernatural. They like a bunch of things on it. Um, yeah. A lot of people who use it like it. Um, I was interviewing. Uh, Debbie Millman, who's a designer, her wife, Roxane Gay, uses it a lot and loves it. Like, people who use it love it. It's an interesting situation. I have got to start using all kinds of things, all kinds, some exercise, this and that. I I have got to start using it more. I hate to use Facebook products, but I shall. Um, And I'm going to try some of the others. But Hmm. uh, we'll see. I don't, you're right. I don't think it's going to be huge. I don't think everyone's rushing. My kids don't have any interest in it. Like none, zero, zippadoo. They play their video games. They like it just on a big screen. And I just don't see them drawn to it. Though that doesn't mean they wouldn't like it. Um, So I don't know. But that's an interesting prediction. I'm I'm very eager to find out what's going to happen there. I just, I mean, I look at my kid, like, like a lot of people are my age, you think that you, just because you have teenagers, you have insight into the future well, of all you consumer. do in a little bit. But the half-life on usage of the thing, constantly bothering. I want an Oculus. I want an Oculus. Got it. And it, it. La- it lasted like about as fast as, yeah. you know, the Fitbit, uh, just or the fuel band or name another wearable that's in your drawer. Yep. Um, so I'll be very curious. I think numbers are going to start leaking that this is not, this is not, 
it might have a niche application and might even, you know, have some market. But this notion that they bet the company, it feels like they kind of bet the company on this uh, line. Well, they they're saying $10 billion towards. Well, this metaverse, that's the whole metaverse yeah, but thing. The meta- it, metaverse it is, is the, Oculus. Yeah. It's yep. Oculus. Yeah, so. it is. I think, I just don't, myself, I don't think they're very creative people. So I don't think, this requires enormous creativity. And so the it's like Microsoft when it went into the phone business or, you know what I mean? Like I was oh, like, I don't nope. know. Okay, I don't think that's fair. I think their ability to monetize teen depression has been exceptionally <laughs> okay. creative. All right. Okay. And I knew you'd pull on that one. I don't think they're creative. I think this is a creative environment and it's going to be hard for them because they're not creative. Um, now, I'll, I'll have a prediction for once. We had a really mm-hmm. interesting Twitter spaces on Peloton last night and we talked about <laughs> Oculus because we were talking about all the mirror, um, all these different heads up displays of exercise, mm-hmm. the use of online exercise stuff. And and I have to say, Dan Primack made a very good case that everything will be fine at Peloton, that it will be just fine. This CEO will will, will gut it through because he, he wants to run for office. I didn't know that. John um, Foley? Yeah, apparently in New oh, York. I didn't know and that so he wants to make this a success. He might sell it, but there's no reason he has to. There's no right. particular. And and I have to say, I really became convinced because a lot of the people, we had, I don't know, a thousand people in the thing. People love their Pelotons. Love, love, love. And the same thing we were talking about. And they loved, um, you know, the, the attacks they're getting are really interesting. And they, they definitely have problems. That's not the, that's not, that wasn't what was said. But the kind of affection and love of the product that people have. They had 20 or 30 suggestions, all of which were good. I want more community. I want them to sell me health mm-hmm. stuff. I want them to engage with me this way. I'd like them to mm-hmm. come. And a lot of the, the complaints were like, look, their customer service has gotten shitty, but they can fix that, you know, has mm-hmm. gotten shitty. It wasn't shitty before, but now it is. Or, um, or, but nobody's complaining about the thing. They love the thing and they're willing to pay more for it. There was ideas about bringing together a lot of these, like if you have a hydro and a Peloton and a this and that, um, mm-hmm. that you bring them together so you don't have to pay $50 across all of them a, a month, for example. Um, there was one idea that Peloton could be buying up some of these things because everybody's stocks are depressed because of Peloton stocks being depressed. Anyway, it was interesting. I was, I, I feel like that was correct. I think they'll be just fine. That is my yeah, the MPS on Peloton is substantially higher than Apple or Netflix. It's got one of the highest MPS scores, um, net promoter scores of well, any Netflix consumer Well, Netflix is mentioned product. as one of the potential buyers, which is interesting. Anyway, um, Dan That'd was saying- weird. Uh, I don't see that. I know, but, but it's around. He said it, the rumors are around. Anyway, I was very fascinated by this. It's You can listen to it on Twitter, but it's because they now can tape these spaces. But I was sort of the, the, the audience- had some amazing creative suggestions, and I thought, oh, these are hmm. people invested in a brand. You, you know, should I'm do, not- you know, it'd be interesting, <laughs> and I'm serious, you should do the same thing for Oculus. Mm-hmm. I'd be very curious what Oculus users that's say. That's a great I'd idea. i into that because I feel as if yeah. I don't know enough about it. Yeah, that's a great idea. Okay. Anyway, Scott, that's the fascinating show here. We had, uh, you know, we had hooker blindness and we had Kamau. I don't see any. I just see women who are interested in me <laughs> and men. I'm going to speak to Ando on your behalf. I'm I'm a little annoyed mm. at him. I'm not happy that he did that, especially for George Hahn. Really, I, I I don't like George Hahn being being disrespected. That's my feeling. On that. He wasn't disrespected. I'm telling you, he's the no, no, he's the hot no. one. He gets to cancel no. last when he minute. said, "Hey, I've got to cancel." I'm like, "No, why? He's so important." I would just be so aggressive. Anyway, nonetheless, this is a great show. 
We'll be back on Tuesday for more. As always, there's so much news happening. It's going to be really great. And we're, it keeps again, coming. It's like the mail. It just keeps on coming. They're very excited. A lot of these things we're talking about are going to be discussed at Pivot MIA. Anyway, uh, please read us out, Scott. Today's show is produced by Lara Naiman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Indertot engineered this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or, frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Pivot Miami, February 14th to the 16th. Come to Miami. Come see the, some of the most interesting CEOs, some of the most interesting people, and Kara Swisher. 